can't believe that you haven't seen it Love it so much you really gotta stream it Let me tell you every line right now I can quote the whole thing since I was 12 Maybe your mom told you no She said she wouldn't give you any money to go And that's why Movies we missed Hello! And welcome back to Movies We Missed, a podcast with me, Jane Blackburn Hammer, and my very good friend, Brandon Greenhouse, where we talk about movies we haven't seen. This week, I chose a movie for Brandon. Nope, that's wrong. This week, Brandon chose a movie for me that I hadn't seen before, and I swear I'm prepared to talk about it, even though it sounds like I'm not. Anyways, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, so how are things going for you? Good. As you can tell, I'm a little out of sorts this week. I can't keep myself straight. But, you know, I'm, uh, you know, it's working through it. I had a, a, I went to a barbecue this weekend, which was really nice. Nice. Um, Outside with like five or six people, everyone fully vaxxed. It was really fun. Speaking of outside, Jane's got some little kids scurrying about from time to time. They I do, well, they're not my children, thank God. No. But there are my neighbor children who are very loud. And they play outside on the street, which is I kind of think is interesting because like there isn't like a yard area where they play. They just like scurry around and they have a bunch of toys in front of their house and they're out there like all night. I could not sleep on Sunday night because they were like out until like two in the morning. And these kids, by the way, they're young. They're like some of them are like toddlers. I mean, they run the gamut. I would say the oldest one is maybe like 10 to 12, but like they're children. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, no, no good. Brandon, I can tell you're fully doing something else while we're supposed to be having here. No, I'm here with you. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm getting my notes in order, mama. I'm getting my screens open. I'm closing the unnecessary windows that I had open for for other things. Um, All right. But I'm I'm here though. You're I just have to get hot. those out of the way. It was hard because I have to negotiate my little screen, and it's like there's I need so. It's just it's not so, interesting, but it's like it's hard when I I want like two windows to do what I want them to do, and for some reason they're not, and I'm not, I'm not you know I'm not the savviest girl, so I'm just trying to figure it out. But yeah, I'm here mm. with you, Jane. You've got obnoxious neighbors. Um, they're children. They're toys that have been strewn mm-hmm. about the street, um, mm-hmm. and it sounds like reckless abandon's the name of the game. So it sure is. And you know what? The thing that's really difficult because it's and by the way. <laughs> My life is so difficult. I have a place to live and a bed to sleep in, and I can always find something to complain about, so I will. But I like to sleep with the window opened because it's just starting to get warm out and you get a nice breeze going. But I can't do that. So we're like, I mean, I do it, but I like get upset about it because I'm so close to my neighbor's house and they leave their screen door. They don't close it all the way sometimes. And my bedroom window is like right next to their screen door. And so it does this really loud creaking thing in the wind back and forth, back and forth. And I just listen to it and I get more and more and more upset. Yeah, that's that's awful. That is I don't insane. know how to fix it. 
I mean, rip it off when they're gone. Do you think it's reasonable to go up to, to like, knock on the door and be like, hey, can you make sure nightly you close the screen door? Or is that, like, obnoxious neighbor stuff? Am I not it's, being chill? Um, I mean, I would probably feel like it was a little bit obnoxious, but from your perspective, I get it. I mean, if I were you, I would probably just start doing something really obnoxious outside of their window over the course <laughs> no. of the night and put them in a position where they feel like they have to come over and talk to me. And then I'd be like, it's so interesting that you came over here with that bullshit because <laughs> I actually have a cute little list of grievances. Let me go ahead and pull those out. Uh, this is my honey, my honey don't list. And this is all the shit that you've been doing running amok all this neighborhood, you and your badass kids. Um, so it's just funny that we both had this opportunity to talk. Well, speaking of thinking things are one way and then discovering that they're another, um, we're going to talk about uh, the movie this week. Yes. That um, I gave Jane to watch. The movie this week was, of course, the 2002 Opus Enough, starring Jennifer Lopez and a sprinkling of once and again's uh, Billy Campbell. (laughs) And... Who, who is Billy Campbell? Who does Billy Campbell play? Mitch. Oh, okay. I didn't care about him. Once and okay. again was a very popular um, nighttime soap drama on on ABC. like ABC. Yeah. Yeah. I that remember. also starred a Seal Award of we all know mm. her from Sisters. Of course. The, um, yeah. So it was the two of them. I always thought she was just so beautiful and glamorous as a child because I was. Oh a gay my god. Child. Um, <laughs> she was. I I always loved seeing her on Sisters because I felt like yeah. she was the, she she was a really beautiful sister. She was my favorite sister. She was the one whose husband had died. I forget how like in mysterious circumstances. I don't remember any of the plot lines. That's all I remember. And I also remember there was like I don't know if she was pregnant, but I remember there was an episode. Maybe that was one of the other sisters. It doesn't matter. There was this one of them was pregnant. I'm pretty sure Stella Ward was, and she was worried about like she had a like a daydream about like having the baby and like holding the baby in one arm and reaching for something on a high shelf and dropping the baby and when she dropped the baby it shattered into a million pieces and I watched (gasps) it as a small child and I remember thinking like that's what's gonna happen if I hold a baby like I'm also scared of dropping babies too and like (laughs) it was enough for me to really identify with her Honestly, now we kind of know why you are the way you are. And um, that was an insight into you. And I am, I'm happy to have it. Always. You saying that says more about you than anything <laughs> that I said could ever say about me. Um, okay, well, I'm, we could get into a cycle of insulting each other back and forth, but we might as well come here what to do what we meant I can't even yeah. speak. We might as well do Checks what we came out. here to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna could you hold on for one second, Janie? Yeah. I'm gonna do something really quick. Get ready. Are you taking off your shirt? No, I just need to check something really quick. Okay, so for the listeners, Brandon has turned off his video. Oh, I didn't mean to. Oh, you didn't mean to turn off your video? No, okay. I'm sorry. Hold on. Hold me turn. I don't know what's going on. I need a second to recover. <laughs> I, 
I thought you were like adjusting the levels on your microphone. Okay, so Brandon cut off his video real quick and then turn it back on and is wearing a full-blown Jennifer Lopez in enough wig. And it is everything. I'm so happy you came in character to do what we we need to do. I have a headscarf on as well. Respect you do. the respect the full judge, but I'm going to take it off because it is um it is interfering with my with my earpieces unfortunately. So you're just going to get <laughs> Bobby, pixie moment. <laughs> can I ask you? <laughs> this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. But can I also add, first of all, okay, I'm kind of loving it. I like it more on you than I do on Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Nine dollars on that Amazon, honey. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> Did you buy this specifically for the podcast? Um, I don't think that's any of your fucking business, actually. Um, respectfully. Uh, how dare you? No, I totally did, yeah. Oh my god, I love that you did that. This is... <laughs> amazing. This is gonna be better. This is better. She doesn't okay, well, She should've. <laughs> we're absolutely going to need Dave to take some photos of you so that we can put it on Instagram, because this is the, this is the thing that has made my week. This is like a little give, give him a little. I honestly am getting give him a little like, Rosie the Rosie the Riveter tease. <laughs> okay, Brandon, do you now that you're in full costume? Will you give us? <laughs> okay, now that you're in full costume, will you give us our synopsis for the week? For you the bet. Movie? You betcha. Enough. You betcha. All right. Okay. Slim is a hard-working Caucasian waitress who's had to tuck on her own for far too long. Jane! <laughs> I'm sorry! <laughs> okay, Okay. <laughs> this is your fault! How dare you? I, I sound like I'm dying. Okay. I can do this. Okay. <laughs> God, I look so much like my mom. Um, okay. All right. She's going to hate that. I know, Mom, you're beautiful if you listen to this. I doubt it. But if you are. Okay. So, you ready, Jane? Whew. Um, I think I'm as ready as I will ever be for this moment. Okay. Slim is a hard-working Caucasian waitress who's had to tough it on her own for far too long. Though she's more familiar with serving bacon and eggs, it looks like she may have caught herself a big fish when she meets construction mogul Mitch Hiller after he rescues her from the unwanted advances of a would-be paramour. Mitch saves the day, and in doing so, steals Slim's heart. These two were made for each other. I mean, this is pretty much the perfect love story. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes years of torment, adultery, and abuse at the hands of Mitch? Seems like he isn't the Prince Charming he once claimed to be. And this girl has found her fairy tale interrupted. Slim not only has to protect herself from her monster of a husband, she also has her daughter Gracie's safety to think about as well. She has to get away from her husband and fast. First attempt to escape Mitch's grasp, foiled. Second attempt, he found her again. Third attempt is likely to end the same way. Unless baby girl changes the game. It's been kind of cute playing checkers, but now it's time to pull out the chessboard. 
Slim stops running from the big bad wolf and stands toe-to-toe while daring him to blow her house down. After coming up with a new strategy and learning some Krav Maga, Slim finally puts her foot down and says what this director probably should have said to the hair and makeup person on the set of this film, enough. And uh, that's it. That was that was beautiful. It, that was so hard for me to sit through and not laugh maniacally. That was a beautiful, beautiful rendering of this magnificent piece of film, which we have just drank in. And I'm going to ask you this once, Brandon, and then we can go back to ignoring the fact that you are fully obsessing about your wig and your hair. Are you going to be fucking with that the whole episode? What do you mean by fucking with? (laughs) You can't stop touching your own wig, baby. I'm obsessed. I have hair on my head, Jane. I have bangs. (laughs) Well, as... No, I'm not going to be fucking with it the whole episode. No. No, I will not. Um, <laughs> I have to say that I absolutely loved your delivery and pronunciation of Krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it's because I've read through this 20 times and every time certain words and certain phrases would like trip up my tongue, like steel Slim's heart was hard. Also, mm-hmm. Construction Mogul, which is giving him so much. Mitch so Hiller. much. <laughs> I was, I was going to say like nondescript construction person because it's not clear what he does. We just see him, he's like a foreman or something, but we see him in a suit on site. That's all, and so that's all we know. But also, <laughs> apparently, endless assets and, like, means. So, it was like, okay. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, but, before we dive in, there are, and there is, I mean, <laughs> to quote the title of the movie, there is just enough for us to talk about. I mean, there mm-hmm. is, it is a movie rife with points to make. But I do want to say before we start talking, because this movie actually is about like a very heavy subject matter. It's about domestic abuse and violence and um, spousal abuse. And we are obviously going to be talking about this movie in a lot of different ways and having fun with it and, and making fun of it. And I just want to be clear as like a disclaimer before we start, like we are in no way making fun of domestic violence. We understand how heartbreaking of an issue that is. And we want to make sure that people know that and also give people the opportunity to, if this is too much for you to listen to, then go ahead and maybe just wait for another episode that doesn't talk about these kinds of subject matters. But understand that we are fully making fun of the movie itself and the things surrounding it and certainly not domestic violence or spousal abuse. Absolutely. I actually have that uh, at the top of my my, um, notes as well. Um, And I did also just want to take a moment. If anybody is in an abusive relationship or knows anybody who's suffering from abuse in any way, there are a lot of resources out there, one of them being the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Their number is 800-799-7233. That is 800-799-7233. And their website is thehotline.org. It's a really wonderful website with lots of information. Um, It has a quick exit button just in case you're sort of in you know currently in turmoil and you need to get off of the website quickly they do a really good job of setting it up in a very discreet manner so anybody please in all seriousness if this is something going on in your life then there are resources for you please reach out um we are gonna you know obviously you know potentially like drag this movie but we are not in any way making light of this 
those issues. So, yeah. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you for queuing up that information as well. That's awesome. And with that being said, where do we even start? <laughs> it is. Um, it's uh, It's a whirlwind, whirlwind of a movie. Um, there's lots of points to be made and lots of questions that are raised and not even attempted mm-hmm. to be answered. So, um, <laughs> Ain't it the twoof? <laughs> <laughs> so fire away, Janie. Yeah, no, will, that was a cute voice that you did. I will never do that again. And, what, and the Tweety you- Bird? <laughs> don't know what it was on me there's no explanation i can't be responsible for the things that come out of my mouth anyways i will say just thinking about this movie in general which is like just the first general point that i want to make about this movie is that like it does feel like it was rushed and i don't mean the pace of the movie because it was probably about 30 to 35 minutes too long i mean the like the writing and the production and like getting it out to the public like i don't think there was enough eyes on this asking enough questions like does this all work does this make sense and there's so many like i'm not even going to go over them because there's so many continuity errors when you watch it like if you're talking about like wounds and like blood placement and you know like things being held in different hands or pointing at different things and then cutting away and someone's using a different hand to point at an object like there's just like wasn't enough there weren't (laughs) not to every time i say the word enough now i'm going to be referencing the movie obviously but there were just what there weren't there weren't enough eyes on this thing (laughs) well it's interesting because one of the critiques of the movie is that nicholas kazan who wrote this film also wrote several movies that are really like acclaimed he wrote uh reversal fortune which is a movie loosely based in the life of klaus and sonny van bureau von von Um, bulo i think that's yeah you're right sonny sonny Sorry, Sonny Von Von Bulow. Our Um, our friend Patrick makes a lot of Sonny Von Bulow jokes. I love a good good SVB joke as well. Um, But that uh, he wrote that movie. It's acclaimed. The director of this movie, Michael Apted, has also done a lot of like acclaimed work as well. He directed The World Is Not Enough. Um, he directed really, um, yeah, yeah. So he's he's had some some big movies. He's directed episodes of like Ray Donovan, Masters of Sex. So I mean, these are wow. like you know, yeah. So it's it's I think for a lot of people, and also at the time, J Lo obviously was like, you know, in the midst of a relationship with Diddy, if I remember correctly, and like one of yes. the biggest actors in the world. I mean, this part was actually originally meant for Sandra Bullock. <gasps> um, Sandy got the call and she said Sandy no? Sandy got the call and it actually interfered with something else. I don't know if it was maybe mm. premonition or what she was what she had <laughs> cooking because this was before the comeback that we were all waiting for. Um, but yeah, and J-Lo had time. And she was J-Lo like, had time. But she also, like, uh, she did, didn't she do Made in Manhattan at the same time? They too? were the same year. This came out before Made in Manhattan. This okay. Came out, so uh, there's it's yeah. a possibility that they were filmed at you know. Uh, oh yeah, I'm sure. Years, yeah, but, for sure. But either they, way, I mean, <laughs> it seemed like she was she was getting in as much as she could because this was like, I mean, in 2002, J Lo was everything. I mean, she still kind of she is still everything. is. But I mean, you, this was like peak though. I mean, is we're, we're talking about like on the six. We're talking about like Made in Manhattan. I remember yeah. she was like the artist who had like I, I I may be wrong, but it was something crazy. It, it was like um, number one album, number one song, number one movie, all at the same time, and that was like, I think one of the 
first, if not only times that's ever happened. It was like she was huge, you know, like to be yeah. like dominating all of those charts simultaneously. That sounds very vaguely familiar. I can't corroborate that because, of course, I have, as per usual, done no research for the podcast. But um, <laughs> that does sound about right. But I will also say that, I mean, I'm sure from JLo's perspective, looking at this film, it was a really great opportunity for her to do something different. She had a really great turn in like Out of totally. Sight several years earlier. Yes. Um, which probably, I think, gave us like a gritty heroine and was a little bit more successful, a lot more successful. It's a better film. But, um, no yeah. but and um, the performances are better. It's a better film. It's like, I, yeah. I, I, I remember seeing Out of Sight and being like, this is a really good movie. Like, JLo is very talented. I mean, yeah. of course she's talented. That is absolutely not the discussion we're having. We know JLo is talented. And no, you know this it is too. A, yeah, no, this is a... This is a tough script. I mean, this is a, this <laughs> is a like, tough one. I want... Okay, so, le- like, let's just let's just dive in, because it's like, I gotta get... Th- I have so many things I want to talk about. I know we're not going to get to all of them, so let's just, let's just start at the beginning. Yes. Why the fuck is her name Slim? I like, hate it. I, I hate it! And you never find out her real name. The, the thing is, there's so many things in this movie that they plant a seed and don't pay off on, and it's so frustrating. Because it's like, they, in the beginning, in the diner scene, when she's, like, flirting with Noah Wiley, who ends up being, like, the bad guy, and her husband, who is also a bad guy, but at the time we don't know it, like, comes to her rescue, he... I think he asks, like, so, like, Slim is a nickname? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, what's your real name? And she's like, oh, I don't use my real name. And then we never find out what her real name is. Like, why would you do that? Which poses also the question as far as, like, this movie goes and, like, locating her. Obviously, she starts going by an alias when she sort of gets away from the grasp of her abusive husband. But Mm -hmm. it's also, like, what were you, like, when you were looking for her and hunting her down and finding her so easily, repeatedly, what were you doing? Were you, like, were you calling your friends and being like, hey, look, look for her. Look for her, like, in the yellow pages. Look for her, you know, on AOL. Like, just put in Slim. And, like... Wait, are you... Are you... Do you think her husband didn't even know her real name? No, I think he did. I'm just saying that's never a okay. moment. And and it feels like in a movie like right. this, especially a movie that centers around like aliases and like trying to like, you know, uh, elude capture of, of of a certain sort, like there would be a moment where she would sort of, you know, have to be like, you know, you know, I'm for, my name's, you know, Rebecca Ramirez. I need a room at this hotel or like something. Right. Like something. there's never a moment where we get her Or name. like her husband like calls out Rebecca Becca Ramirez in a crowded room and she's like, oh, it's like someone found Yeah, yeah. It seemed, what actually seems like it could have been a potential something that they could have used to like, you know, enhance the story in some way. But yeah, it was like, it was something that they planted that never bloomed. And that's so <laughs> frustrating for me. Also, like, the, just like the names in this movie is general, in general, like her father's name is Jupiter and we're just supposed to like accept that and live in that world. And like, she calls her daughter Toots, even though her daughter's name is Gracie and it's like everyone has like a weird fucking nickname I think it's Toots by the way not Toots <laughs> okay so but Toots well, is also a really funny name for like a little kid it's like okay. what like I feel like it's what like what like Danny DeVito would have called like uh, what's her name like oh god I can't remember her name escaping me like Mary like Mary Lou Retton in like Taxi nope. or something is that Mary it? Lou that Re- it? Isn't Mary Lou Retton the gymnast? You're right. What's her name? 
You know I mean, who I'm talking about. You. I do. That's all right. I'm, I know this isn't what it's about. Mary Lou Henner. I knew it was Henner. Mary Lou Henner. And in okay. my head, I was like... I can see her. I can yeah. see her in my eyes. Really fun redhead. Yeah, but it, it feels very, like, old-timey, which, I mean, you know, fine. But it is a funny nickname for a little kid, I think. It is funny. And the reason why I say toots is because my... Like, I, first of all, I watch everything with the subtitles on, and so it's spelled toots, T-O-O-T-S. And also, my wife, Tara, literally refers to... Everything is toots. So, like, a fart is a toot, or she sometimes calls me grandma toots, or, you so know. So, grandma fart? <laughs> but it's like, it doesn't no, only mean fart. No, weird flex, fart. but go off, girl. <laughs> she doesn't only mean fart, because she'll, like, refer to people as toots as well. She'll be like, oh, what are you two toots doing? It's it's her word. and I. Oh, uh, so that's your association with it. Okay. Yeah, so that's why in my mind I'm thinking toots, but yeah. I mean, I mean I've heard a, people use the term toots before. It's just really funny in this context to me. I don't know. It, it's hilarious. And also, I want to shout out her, the alias that she chooses when she um, <laughs> takes on that, like, a dead woman's identity. And the yeah. name is Erin Schleter. Yeah, why that last name? Well, okay, it is such a fake-sounding name, isn't it? But also, it's just a weird, like, it's just a weird sort of um I just don't know pro- why like, that was the the one that hit. It's like, a weird fussy name. It's a hard name to pronounce. It's a hard right. name to spell kind of. It's S C H L E E T E R and I thought the same thing. You would actually be better off going with like an Aaron Johnson or something like that because then you right. sort of like would blend, blend in. into like the, you know, the plethora of, you know, Aaron Johnson's located in any city, I'm sure. It's just like Schleter if he was to get a lead on you going by that name, like it's very there specific. No, there'll be no issue. Although, apparently, as we find out in the movie, there's no issue getting to her anyway. Regardless. I know. So. I was like, she should, like, it, it's just like, Aaron Schleter is like, it's just so it's crazy. It's a rough name. That, that and person I had feel a like it's like, <laughs> it's like she, it just sounds so fake. And I just feel like she should have chose something like Sharon Von Alias or something. Like, What's it's awful? just like so ridiculous. What's awful and super gendered in my mind is that in high school, Aaron Schleter, like girl Aaron Schleter was picked on and a nerd. And boy Aaron Schleter was like the one who always had the keg at his house. And every part, yeah. he was the one who got super so hammered true. and made an ass of himself and didn't realize that everybody was laughing at him and not with him until years later in therapy. But like, everybody's <laughs> and like, people oh, are like, Schleet, Schleet. are you going to Schleter's house for the kegger? And it's like, yeah, I'm going to Schleter's house. That's where everyone's going. Where like, everybody's going to be. Dick, but like he's so annoying but like he's got a free house so we gotta go to Schleter's so we'll be there or like yo (laughs) did you see him dude he Schleter Schleter all over himself man And the only thing I'm thinking is shitting or jizzing. Oh, of in, course. In we thought okay. he was. We thought he tootsed, but then we realized that he just <laughs> schleeded all over his britches, his mom's eggshell couches. Schleeded <laughs> for life, man. Oh my god. Yeah. So, anyways, a lot of weird names. Don't understand mm-hmm. why they're chosen, but like, I guess they're trying to make people sound quirky or whatever. But also, one of the things that I. <laughs> 
<laughs> of course, wrote down and you mentioned in your synopsis is that Jennifer Lopez, a Latinx woman, a uh, person from Puerto Rico, I think her family is from there. Like, she is so whitewashed in this movie. <laughs> it is unbelievable. Which there are her, articles like, about as well. Like, oh, really? Her being a chameleon. And they like, they're like, she plays white in this movie. <laughs> she, you know, she's Latino. And like, they go through all of these different movies where she's different ethnicities and they talk about it, which is a talent and is like, you know, she's getting it how she lives. It is interesting that like J-Lo, I mean, being, you know, very powerful at this point. I mean, I'm sure Mm -hmm. she could have found a way. It's really interesting because there's multiple opportunities in this movie, like with the casting of her daughter. Um, Obviously, I mean, she could be biracial, of course, but it is a little white girl. Mm -hmm. No shade. Yeah, Um, I mean, just like presentation wise, like it seems like that's the story. Everybody in this movie and everybody in her family is white. Fred Ward, who plays her, who plays her father. Although I know he's an actor who, many anybody who sees Fred Ward, typically you go to a white man. I know that he's part Native American, I think, but I mean, when you see him, you think that's a Caucasian man, and he has been cast as such over the course of his career. I think it's just interesting that like there's a lot of quote unquote getting away with in Hollywood passing for a different race passing for white which like is difficult because it erases people's identities I don't know what the fucking answer is of course but like no it's just a funny detail I mean they do it with Halle Berry too in many movies they like create this world where like Halle Berry is the only person of color and like we meet like we meet parents and we meet like you know we'll meet one of her parents so it's like, yeah, we're just got a white person, you know, they don't black. <laughs> and then, like, it's very, like, we're not talking about it. And it's like, this script was meant for Julia Roberts. And then you cast Halle Berry, and you were like, we're not changing a damn thing. Right. I mean, I just don't think, like, it, it's so clear that, like, very little work is is made on 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 the, like, writers and producers. Oh, and for sure. To, to, like, make this a story about this character and and all of their identities. It's like, okay, well, we're just going to shoehorn Jennifer Lopez into this <laughs> white-ass family. For sure. For sure. Um, so just something I noticed, and I, I think, you know, it sucks because those kinds of roles maybe aren't available to other people who aren't, quote-unquote, as, like, white passing. I don't know. Maybe I'm not qualified to have this conversation. But it seems like... I don't think it's that she. I don't think it's that she's white passing. It's just like a lack of acknowledgement of her culture, and it's also like you're not like you don't show us two parents. You just show us one. So we, as the viewers, are led to sort of be like, oh, okay, maybe you know her mother's Latinx, and like we just don't meet that character, and we don't Mm -hmm. mention her. Like, there's a lot of that where it's like you put the pieces together, you know? Right, exactly. And and, we didn't say she wasn't, but we didn't say she was. Exactly. And again, this story isn't about that, and so maybe. Maybe that's not the you know the conversation. No, but it's a funny having. detail, and it's been a funny yes. detail for me since this movie came out mm-hmm. many years ago. And I've seen this movie many times, and it always comes into my head, especially once we meet her father later in the film. It's that's always the like, thing. Okay, like Edward James almost wasn't available. Like you know, like <laughs> it's just always an interesting thing. But then a part of me also wonders, and I may be completely wrong about this, but I also wonder: was this all set up? Like, did they have these actors cast and everything? And then was it like Sandra Bullock dropped out? And then it was just literally like we're placing J Lo in this world now. Yeah, or I don't you know, know what I mean. You don't know what went into it, but it's a funny detail that does add it one is. more layer of like, huh, to the film. Yeah, overall. that's all. Exactly. We're yeah, and I think 
I think any, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just worth mentioning that, like, that conversation conversation is, yeah, it's just not happening. (laughs) So one of the things I also thought was so funny is that, like, they, like, break this movie into, like, parts. And so, like, it starts, like, with, like, hey, and they, like, have these title cards. And it just makes it look like a shitty, like, PowerPoint presentation. Well, it also, it also, like, implies that something meaningful is going to happen in any of these sections when they all just blur (laughs) together anyway. So it's, like... I know. You don't need this. Stop trying it's, to give this movie weight that it doesn't earn. Yeah, it's fully point. unnecessary, and I don't understand why. Like what the choice was. It's not. This like isn't artistic. the film. It's a stylistic choice, and it's unnecessary because it's like no stylistic choices were made on any other front. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, okay. So then we're like, I love also at her, at the wedding, her like in laws, which is Mitch's parents, like not so quietly discussing about how they paid for the wedding. It's so inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. They're like discussing with someone like how they paid for Slim and Mitch's wedding. And they're, and like, it's like this guy who we find out is sort of like a quote unquote adopted father for her. So somebody who I think she met later in life, maybe, who's been Mm -hmm. like a godfather and helped her out. But she's Mm -hmm. like, Mitch's mother's talking to this to him, and his name's Phil. And Mitch's mother says to him, like, Mrs. Hiller says, Oh, like, well, since her her parents, her mother's dead, right? And her father's never been spoken for, then we don't mind paying for No. That's Wait, not what, what happens. Oh, what is it's that? actually a more psychotic thing, which I'm like, sorry, I probably shouldn't use the word psychotic like that, but it's a more no, like un- <laughs> unhinged moment where like the mother's like, so I assume the father's dead too. And it's like, okay, first of all, no tact whatsoever. Like, that's sort of like a heavy subject to bring up at a wedding, but okay. And also, the thing is, is that, like, your son is marrying this woman. Do you not know where her parents are and, like, the story? Like, it just seems like, A, how fast did this marriage happen? And, like, clearly we find out that her his parents live in the same, at least, city, I think, as, as yeah. the two of them. So there's, like time to get to know her at least so it seems like a detail they would already have but it's very clear that it's done for exposition for the audience which is again another thing that I can't fucking stand (laughs) also I never like there's something about assuming that a person is dead that's just very funny as well because you (laughs) don't know know anything about them like I've you know like that's just so funny of somebody to be like so I assume you've never spoken about him before Brandon so your dad's dead right yeah he's rotting six feet under decomposing but the, it's like the Earth's oh, surface. Okay. It's like you've never uttered his name before, so I assume deceased. Am I wrong? Let me know. Um, like what a what a leap, what a jump, what a what a um, what an inappropriate thing to bring up at a wedding. What a liberty to take, and and then because she's okay with the fact that the father is either dead or not in her life, she goes, "Oh well, then we're fine to pay for the wedding." Like it's also like shouldn't these things have decided already? Like. We should not know who's footing this bill. Exactly. It's also, so Mitch is a whole 40-something-year-old man anyway, so it's like, <laughs> I guess I it's cute, but like, oh, come on, Mitch. But, I mean, it's clear that it's... Well, actually, I was about to say it's clear, but like, fully nothing in this movie is clear. But <laughs> what I've deduced from the limited information we have about Mitch, who is, by the way, a supporting like main character and we know zero about, he... His family is the one that has a lot of money, and maybe he works for his family's construction company. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. That's, I don't know. If that's, that's an true. easy. That's an easy bow. But we do see at the wedding, 
obviously, our boy, our boy Dan Futterman, who is a delightful rom-com character. We've seen him in a lot of things, but the most specific thing that I remember him seeing from seeing him in was The Birdcage. Yes, of course, he plays the awful son, the awful, the horrible son. Horrible, bird, horrible son. In a birdcage, <laughs> appalling behavior. Yeah. Um, I will say that there's an, that he looks so much like Liam Aiken, who is the little boy and stepmom. Dan Futterman and him look like father and son. And like, well, I'm gonna I need always... To- Google this kid because I always think they look alike and then I'm and then I forget about it in my mind or I don't know if I kind of oh my god so I don't think I've seen this this person as an adult I think I've only seen him as a kid he he's like the most adorable child like the cutest kid yeah yeah he turned out he grew up he's pretty cute he's not and he can definitely be like Dan Futterman's son oh absolutely if anybody's looking to cast Dan Futterman's son we have the perfect person so Spielberg if you're working on like an unnamed like Lenny Bruce film that's going to be starring Dan Futterman in the lead role and you need somebody to play Cassius Bruce then that would be the perfect I mean we've got him I also find like his last name to be so perfect for the kind of person he is because his last name Futterman is like very much like descriptive of like who he is to me like it's like yeah yeah, it's like a bumbly like nice guy and I feel like his last name means that so like I kind of feel like in this podcast we could create a term or coin a term like oh this guy's such a Futterman and that means like a nice like romantic comedy sort of nerdy guy how do you feel about that I think it's I think if you had just done it as a to explaining it, it would have been cooler and more of a power move on your part. <laughs> um, now you forced it into in the play. I just feel like I do. I do feel like we should take this to our therapist when we have couples therapy. But I do feel like you'll never allow me to have anything. And do, I don't want to see you happy. Bottom line, <laughs> and you, I know that. <laughs> do you think that Dan Futterman is our answer to like Hugh Grant? Oh. Actually, I think uh, I think Futterman is less known than Grant. Really? But I, yes, yes, at one hundred percent. If you walked us up to someone and you said, "Do you know uh, no, who I, Hugh Grant I was, is?" I was just being contrary. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? I had no, to Google his name. Mm-hmm. I know his face. I know who he is, but he's no Google Hugh Grant. Me. Google <laughs> me. Anyways, so moving on, I want to get to our first red flag where mm-hmm. we find, I mean, this is the first. I wonder like, if we have the same first red flag. I think we do. Okay. This okay. isn't a complicated movie, so we should. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you have one that is before me, I must have just missed it. But the first red flag for me is when he walks up to the house. Yeah, of course. Okay. And, okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah, so, I don't know why I even questioned it. Like, there was some nuance at play. Yeah. So what happens is that um, the husband, Mitch, walks up to the house, rings a, walks up to this beautiful house, rings a doorbell, and J-Lo is behind him sort of waiting awkwardly, and he, like, talks to this guy, and he's like, look, my wife wants to buy your house. Here is what I'm willing to pay for it. It's well above market. You know, I'm going to make your life miserable, basically, if you don't sell me this house, and I'm going to come by every day and be so pushy. 
And then he finishes with, your kids are grown and you'll be happier in a smaller place, as if he knows anything. Well, I was like, which is also person. like, how do you know his kids are grown? How do you know he's not raising his grandchildren? You don't know his man's life. How old do you know he could have a 30-year-old wife that he's smashing? Exactly. Have a couple of young tots know? running around. How does he even know he has kids? There are people who also, have kids. No kids. He could be like, I live here all by my fucking self and you still ain't getting it. Exactly. And I That's will call the fucking cop. Look, and I will call the cops on you because this is officially harassment at this point. Yeah, no, it's really inappropriate. And it is. And she's like in the background, like with a twinkle in her eye. I know. Pregnant, like <laughs> giggling at like her husband's inappropriateness. And like, it's just like. <laughs> If Dave, like, walked up to, like, a stranger's... Because it has to be Dave, because I'd get shot in the spot. But if Dave walked <laughs> up to, like, a stranger's house and was, like... First of all, he's assuming they're okay with gay people, I guess, too. If my big ass is, like, behind him. Like, my husband wants this house. And I'm, like, rubbing my stomach like J-Lo was in the movie. <laughs> seems overfed first because he's rubbing <laughs> his belly um and, and like you biologically two, he cannot carry a child so yeah else. so we need to get <laughs> you two friends of judy off of our porch um <laughs> but yeah the person's gay if they're saying friends of judy it doesn't matter the point is it's <laughs> insanity to walk up to somebody's house and to be like i want to buy your home and it's it's something i've seen in movies before and i always think it's crazy there's an off chance that a person maybe would be like you know what we were actually thinking about selling you know if we move forward with it you know you'll be getting contacted by a realtor leave us your name and number but it's like he's like i'm buying your house and the guy was like oh i don't we're not interested in selling no thanks and he's like no this is happening or i'm gonna sock you until you like give up it's really really creepy behavior and j-lo's loving it i know it's like she if you don't know how to look out for these sort of things it can be taken as like romantic but like the fact of the matter is it's like really really fucked up it's it's really inappropriate and I would be like, I don't like the way you treat other people. That, to me, is a really big deal breaker. I think I'm going to take my pregnant ass and I'm going to go somewhere else because this is not okay for me. Exactly. So that's sort of the first red flag. And then the second red flag that I notice is that when she gives birth in the hospital to their baby Gracie, he, like, doesn't allow her... She, like, wants him to... She, like, keeps being like, oh, let me hold my baby. And he, like, won't hand her the baby. And I'm like... So fucking infuriating. She just did all the work, and you're, like, not handing over your child? Like, sorry. insane. It's insanity. Like, I can't imagine, like, having just given birth to a child and, like, (laughs) you know, having the strength and being, like, I'd like to hold my child. I'd like to have that bonding moment. And, like, your husband, like, across the room with the baby that you're, like, reaching for and asking, like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) I'm not negotiating this with you. Do I look like, do I look like Samuel Jackson? Give me the child. Oh, the the negotiator that... You know it. (laughs) Any reference Sam Jackson, oddly, with, like, red hair. I feel like Sam Jackson's a redhead in that movie. It's... And we don't talk about it. Is he? Okay, well... He's got, like... He's got, like, a brown... He's got, like, a a crimson-colored scalp in that film. And it is a choice. Well, I haven't seen that movie, so add it to the list. Okay. If you want. (laughs) It's got Sam Jackson. It's got your other fave in it. Um... (laughs) Kevin Spacey. 
So, yeah. Um, okay, well, let's not spread the rumor that Kevin Spacey is my other fave. I've actually... You don't stand read. him anymore, Jane? What happened? <laughs> I never stand Kevin no. Spacey. This is, like, the thing is... Y'all, is that, it's well, always no. the usual suspects. Always. <laughs> One of these days, I will have to sue Ugh. you sue you for libel. No. And I, I just truly, it's going to get... It, it will put you in financial ruin. And that's oh not my, my problem, God, baby. Because you keep running that damn... Uh, we got our American Beauty over here just tooting like she, she likes to toot with her wife. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, the, my favorite thing is to pull out um, the Queen of Hearts and then just watch your fucking house of cards just like tumble. Oh all over my the god. Place. No, Jane, I'm serious. No, pay it forward, girl. <laughs> The fact that you can think of so many Kevin Spacey movies off the top of your head tells me everything I need to know. Who's the Kevin Spacey stand? Why don't you go? Why don't us? you go eat a K-Pax? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's a it's you, another movie of his. I know, and you know I haven't seen it because it's did. like something ridiculous. Fucking dare you? The way you talk to me. <laughs> Anyways. Oh. Okay, so actually, funny little tidbit: the song that is playing when <laughs> JLo is giving birth, <laughs> Tara instantly turns around. And she goes, she's like painting. She's not really paying attention. She turns around. And she's like, "Is that a jewel song?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> and I this soundtrack sh- is so weird in this movie. It is such okay. a strange tonal sound. Like tonally, <laughs> it is such it's... an odd, polarizing soundtrack, and it does not make sense. And some of these sound like songs that could have been like almost like um open domain but like but they're actually like songs by the artists like we got okay first of all we've got Sheryl Crow at the beginning all I want to do always yes. a bop iconic of course whatever eat your heart out it's a great song <laughs> but like we have some other songs that feel like favorite mistakes and it's just like <laughs> you are on stop. fire with this today. I need to stop no if it makes you happy I'll stop <laughs> It's just Tuesday Night Music Club. Show <laughs> uh, Crow's so good. I sound like she, such. I sound like I, such a white girl right now. <laughs> oh my god! Well, Tuesday okay, Night Music so, Club is a bop though. That whole album. It is, is really good. and uh, the whole nation appreciated it. But unfortunately, my relationship with Cheryl Crow sort of ends after that. But that's not here nor there. Oh, you're blaming her for what happened with Lance Armstrong because they dated. <laughs> cool. Rock and roll, Jane. Rock and roll. This, women supporting this, other women, guys. First of all, Brandon, enough. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So, <laughs> so that was a Jewel song that Tara immediately clocked that... It's like a Jewel B-song. It wasn't like a hit. No, it wasn't a hit. And I know she was like, I would know that voice anywhere. So I like shazammed it and it turned out to be a Jewel song. And then later in the movie, there's like another one of those songs playing. And Tara walks into the room and she's like, what Lilith Fair singer is this? Also, it's so (laughs) weird because if you think about this movie coming out in 2002... Mm-hmm. And you think about like that Sheryl Crow song. I believe it came out in, like ninety four. Yeah, so ninety four feels very right to <laughs> that me. They're like, they're like, we want hits, but we don't want like current currents. <laughs> Let's see if we can get some songs from about a decade ago. It's Wait, like, what does so that tell us about the world you're building? My question is, maybe they chose that specific Sheryl Crow song because they wanted to indicate that it was in the past. Yeah, I'm guessing, and apparently so, years earlier. So yeah, but nobody looked like that. So no, because it, was like, it wasn't it, eight years earlier. No. And it wasn't clear. They didn't say it was eight years earlier or anything like that. No, so, you meet somebody I, to be I, like, oh I, my I God, do, Clinton's I making do. waves in Washington. 
something I like do, that. I do feel like I do feel like I'm giving that to the filmmakers, and I don't know. If We're they giving them, it. or somebody walked in and was like, "Oh my god, I just saw the Lion King at the movie theater. It just dropped." Like things like that are going to be really great, like cultural timestamps for exactly. us as viewers to be like '94. <laughs> but they didn't do that, any of that. No. For although Juliette Lewis was there, so she's sort of a cultural timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have a, no. I have a question for you, Jane. How fucking dare you? She's okay, love it. <laughs> First of all, I do want to make this clear. Your wife loves Juliette Lewis. Can I finish my sentence, please, before you mm. jump down my damn throat? Here we go, Appar- guys. Apparently, you're the only one allowed to make jokes around here, because I was kidding. And I think we can all... I have so many notes about how much I love Juliette Lewis and how I wish she avoided mm. this. Because I love... Okay, so one of the things I wanted to do with you is because I love always her so much. Always get sexual. It always, okay. Yeah, let's talk about it, Jane. We've had this will-they-won't-they thing going on for ages. For th- almost 13 years, and honestly, I'm ready to make it happen. So, with, with Juliette Lewis, who is beloved, and I do love her, and I watch anything she's in, one of the things I love most about her is her voice. And I'm wondering if you have a Juliette, a Juliette Lewis impression that you can just sort of give us off the cuff. Uh, let me do it. Give me a second. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I really would say that I have like a Juliet Lewis type voice that I could do for you, but if I did, it would sound something like this. <laughs> that's kind of like, I think that's the best Juliet Lewis Okay. I could do. Okay. It's well, not great, I guess, but she does have an iconic voice. It sounds a little bit like, I don't, like, I don't know, that sounds a little it's bit It's sort like, of like, it's sort of like Drew Barrymore-ish. Like, it's got a California sort of like, yeah. Um, it has this like, um, like, I don't know, like, I can't, no, that's not good. It, that was but it has this more. sort of lax, like, she, she's really easy with her syllables. Yeah. I, I notice, like, she sort of slides into them as she talks. Mm-hmm. And I think it just got this overall, not like a lot of fry, but it has a little bit of like vocal fry to it. And mm-hmm. she just sort of is like even killed and letting people know how it's got to be. Very bad, you know? Especially when she's handing out very, very bad advice to her friend Jennifer Lopez in this movie. Okay, so I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that. I don't know where we are in the... Well, I mean, like, we can jump around. I don't care. Like, I Jump not... around. Okay, that's yeah. an effect. Um, so I feel like the scene... People are nonplussed. After the first <laughs> act of violence happens against our heroine, Slim Hiller, because that's her name on IMDb. They won't even give us a name for her there. Nope. Not even like a, like, Sophia Slim Hiller. Something yeah. to make this make sense. <laughs> so anyway, Slim gets Slim. There's a really, there's this scene with her husband. She finds out he's cheating on her with a French woman named Darcel, which is like, why this messy name? I but don't whatever. know. And it's like information that like is so unnecessary. We get this, yeah. but like, we don't understand really what Mitch's job is. No, but... I thought he was in law enforcement, so... No, I think, no, but then he's at the construction site and he's got a suit on and he runs down to like answer a phone or something and he's got a hard hat on but he's wearing a suit. So I'm like, I know, but then also later he's sitting in the office with no, he's just, oh, he's just visiting him. That's just his friend who works for law enforcement, I think. Okay, that's so unclear. 
but yeah, no, it is because they have like a private room. It's really like messy, and yeah. all the, sh- the sketchy shit y'all are doing, we shouldn't be meeting at work. But whatever. No, um, this should be done off of like off, office property. Off the clock, exactly. <laughs> but no, I was gonna say there when Juliet Lewis, there's a moment where the first sort of act of violence happens on Slim. Her husband slaps her after she confronts him about an affair that he's been having, you know, with this woman. It appears that he's been hiding it, but it also appears that it's something that's been going on for a long time. And I mean, it seems like she gets, they make it clear that she gets pregnant pretty quickly. Their daughter is like four or five. So they've been Mm -hmm. together about five, maybe six years. And Timeline unclear. Timeline unclear. Timeline really murky. Um, (laughs) And, uh, which is like the, the, a murky timeline is the best friend of like a not great script. Um, You don't want to get nailed down. You don't want to get pinned to anything. So you're just like, it is what it is. It's just like lack of commitment to anything real. (laughs) It was legit. Like they played Sheryl Crow and like and then they play like Billie Jean in the next scene and somebody's <laughs> like, like this hot this is a hot new joint it's like they want to make it cl- they don't want you really trying to pin them down in it's like 1981 or like 1994 where are we <laughs> and then like time travel's introduced um but there's a moment yeah where she tells her friends about Jenny played by Julie- Juliet Lewis about this and she's so unfazed she tells her that her husband's hit her and when he hits her for some reason I don't know how this works and I'm not making fun of violence but Mm -hmm. like creates this like little like like gash on her face Mm -hmm. and like her skin's flawless like the next scene don't worry but but (laughs) well this is what I'm saying continuity errors left and right (laughs) but Juliet Lewis is just sort of like ah some men are like that some men erupt after the first date some men erupt years later and she's very sort of like been there it's a very it's a very boys will be boys mentality and she's like if you want a man with testosterone like you love like a man's man but like it's a double edged sword because it can hit you in the face right in your own kitchen I don't remember what she said no but it's very like sort of like laissez faire like but then she's like she she's very casual when she's talking about it but then she's like you should tell the police and JLo's like I'm not putting my husband in prison and so it's like she does want her to do something but maybe it's just i don't know the the line delivery from it's the line delivery it's a not consistent script it's like it's a lot there's not a moment though of worry from her friend of like oh my god like we don't get the moment of her walking in and her friend removing the glasses from her face and being like what the fuck did he do to you we we don't get get that we get that from her mother-in-law but the response is not what the fuck did he do to you the response is what did you do baby girl to upset my baby so much to make him hate you no what the exact line is and i wrote it down is she goes to the mother-in-law's house the mother-in-law walks outside she's buoyant she's so happy to see her um she opens the door to give her a hug and she sees the the face and she goes what did you do what what did you say to him that's the line and it's just like bitch first of all we've been married for okay one of the things about this movie that's really wild is like and I think it's one of the many problems with the script Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not saying that I'm an expert on how abuse works it can work Mm -hmm. in any number of ways but the thing about Mm -hmm. this character first of all he's like a one dimensional monster and it happens (laughs) like at the drop of a hat they don't give Mm -hmm. us any moments earlier in their marriage of maybe them having like a flustered moment and him grabbing her roughly and her sort of like 
you know, and him being like, oh, I'm sorry. And then like negotiating. There's no her, lead up. There's no lead up. It's literally her in this happy fairy tale. She finds out he's cheating on her. He says, okay, I'll stop. She finds out he's still seeing this woman. And then she confronts him and she's like, you have to stop. He, he slaps her across the face and he says, what? And she looks shocked and he says, what? I can't hit you now? And she says, no, you can't. And then he punches her in the face. Okay, we need to we need to talk about this because we're okay. kind of running through this. And I think this is a really important part of this movie. Because it's the term t- important loosely, but yeah. <laughs> well, it tells us everything we're going to need to yes. know about. It sets up the world, yes. It sets up the world. And the world is <laughs> And this is just my opinion, as is everything, just my opinion that comes out of my mouth. But there is, they've, they've spent no time setting up the relationship between J-Lo and Mitch. And so we have no understanding as to why she likes him, except for one incident at the diner when she, when he has her back. And so when they get into this fight, it's a very interesting scenario because she find, finds out that her quote unquote beloved husband, who's, I think maybe, and I guess, I'm giving this a lot has like indicated he has some coldness to her toward her and so she sort of is like clocked that but truly there's nothing else and we don't know what their dynamic is like because you can't figure out what they have in common or why they like each other because we've never seen it and so when he goes in there and she's like she is first of all her she's at 11 and he's at a two and she's like how dare you i can't believe you and he's like what like it's a big deal come on get over it which like again i don't know a ton about abuse but i from what i understand there's a heightened anger you know what i mean that gets to the point where you physically attack somebody i understand anger and i understand like that kind of thing so it doesn't make sense to me that she that he he's at a two and all of a sudden he just slaps her like i i I, it's very hard for me to understand it doesn't no time is put into it they literally she meets him in the very first scene of the movie they get married she gets pregnant they buy a house and it's in about five minutes that all of that happens and then across the screen it says five years later and then we're in we're in the present day marriage as it as it stands we've got no time there were no dates there were no conversations about hopes and dreams there was no moment where maybe she sees some fluster trying to fix a car and she thinks whoa that's a little disproportionate to what's happened and she tries to calm him down there's no discussion of like his childhood his relationship with his parents there's nothing to give us any indication at all of where this is going and then as one of the reviewers noted billy campbell then lamely delivers his lines um so <laughs> yeah and he's got some doozies i wrote down some of his lines because they're insane um <laughs> Let me see. So he hits her. Um, he slaps her across the face for the first time after the affair, the whole thing. And then he says, you want to fight? I'm a man, honey. It's no contest. You have to understand, Slim. And I thought you did. I make the money here. So I set the rules. It's my rules. You hear me? 
<laughs> okay, and in my mind, it's like you've been married for six years, and if you're gonna have an affair and cheat on your wife, and this is a kind of religion, uh, like there would be some indicators at some point that this was going on. It's like why go through six years of hiding affairs from her if your response to her finding out about them is gonna be this cavalier and just be you using abuse as, as your tool? So it's right, like, and it it surprises me because given all of the information we have, it, based on these characters, which again is very loose but like it would seem that this would be something that would have started earlier than six years in yeah they could have yeah so basically what we're saying is that they there was no time put into investing in like in a two-hour film there was no time put into investing 15 minutes into maybe like how this relationship came to be or like what it was in each other or what it was about him because at the beginning of this movie she's a very street street smart you know independent woman and like it's like we don't really examine any of what happened to make her fall for this guy um so it is it's and, really yeah. interesting and I think, like, had you given us the opportunity as an audience to, like, like Mitch and start to fall in love with them, love with him and 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 love their relationship and think, like, oh, God, this is, like, this is so cute. And this is so, you know, this is just a, the beginning of a cute rom-com. And then pulled the rug out from under us like that in a very real way. That would have felt like the drama that you wanted to create in a much much easier way for you because like right now the drama is is so heightened and so unrealistic that we're not going to get on board with this and i think like it's a missed opportunity because this subject matter is so important and the themes that come from this movie and even like the themes that Mitch outlines when he's explaining to Slim how life is going to be like this is not uncommon this is not something that is not you know this isn't made up this is but there's a sense of inauthenticity where you feel like the script writers or whoever created this story went and pulled a bunch of information and then created this sort of shell of a story without any real characters to back up the the narrative everything in the movie it just feels like a stereotype of a situation if that makes and sense it, and it, 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 it's like chunks that don't really fit together like they don't flow into each other naturally and there's a moment at the end of this sort of first abuse scene where he says to her all right i'm going he's like i'm gonna go see i think he says i'm gonna go see darcel the the woman that started all this with yeah. the call and everything and then he says it's gonna be so great now isn't it i won't have to lie about where i'm going anymore <laughs> and it's, it's like, like if you it's like if you care if you didn't care and you didn't give a shit then like wh- why wasn't why didn't you sort of assert the way that things were gonna be like a guy who like punches his wife in the face after she finds out about an affair that's been going on for years of multiple affairs it sounds like so it's like if you're cheating on your wife with multiple partners and like that's always where you are and what you're doing it just feels like a person who cares this little and who's solely using like money as a power as, as like as the sort of like the power in the situation and also a prepared to be like I will kill you if you try and leave me. Like, he, yeah, he literally says that to her. He's like, I will kill you if you try and leave me. So it's it's all just like, wh- wh- why pretend to be this other person for this long? Like, this, because this guy that you actually are doesn't care enough to put on this kind of a masquerade for this long. 
Exactly. And I think the things that we know and have learned about abuse from other pieces of art that talk about this experience in a much more nuanced and real way, like, explain that, like, there is a slow lead up to sort of the stripping of the rights and the isolation and the controlling partners. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in this situation where you are being physically abused and you realize that it's been a lifetime of leading up to that or, you know, or whatever, a a large chunk of time that, you know, things have, you've been emotionally abused for a long time and and that's sort of how it rolls out. But we don't get that with this. Again, it's like, it's it's almost like an after school special where like they want to show you that this is a real horrible thing that happens, but we don't show you in a way that is, that uses real stories or real people. Also, a person like Mix, Mix Scott, a person like Mitch who's this sort of exacting on like, he, he has this precision to what he does and he has this control over his world and over his assets and there's just a sort of measured quality to him for most of this film so it all just feels a little bit like 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 uncharacteristically messy. I'm sure that yeah. like if there was a trigger that was introduced, like something like if he had a drinky problem years before he met Slim and he started drinking again or something like that, then we've got a catalyst. But it's like for a guy like this who's so even killed and even even killed as he's like exacting violence, like it, there's something right. about it that's just like, all right, we've got ourselves like a character of a human being on our hands. <laughs> yeah. And so because of all of this, of course, J-Lo's or slim, I guess is what we're down to calling her. (laughs) She decides to leave Mm -hmm. and she leaves in the middle of the night and I, you know, I'm sure plenty of women have had to do this and it's probably very terrifying but she does this thing where she, like her friends are waiting for her outside in a van. It's like that thing in a horror movie when you see someone like run up the stairs instead of run out a window or something where it's like much smarter. They like trap themselves. She like turns around. She's about to walk out the door and she like just drinks in the house and she's like saying goodbye to the house and it's like girl any other time but now and of course this gives Mitch time to wake up and attack her and so right before she's about to leave he jumps on her and like tackles her to the floor and it's like god like it's so frustrating and her daughter sleeps through it all Her daughter sleeps through this. Her daughter, then the friends come in the house and they're trying to get her and the kid out. And like her daughter is passed out. Almost (laughs) as if she was given some sort of like, you know, Tylenol PM or something, maybe. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say like that liberal with that NyQuil, you know? Which would have been a which would have made sense because you're like, I'm gonna have to get her out of here and I need her to be quiet and not wake up and start crying or ask questions. Exactly. Like, so it would have been, you know, if they'd had a scene in where we saw that. Show us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there would have been a moment where people were like, is she killing that baby? But we would have figured it out quickly. Like, exactly. But it, she was just so, it, it's crazy. And then, like, Mitch pulls a gun on one of her friends as they're carrying, like, the kid out. And they wake the kid up. And they're like, look at dad, look at dad. And then Mitch puts the gun away. Yeah. And like, I'll get you. I'll get you. <laughs> but, like, Mitch, like, he grabs her. He throws her on the ground. Somehow the kid ends up on the couch and is still asleep. He's, like, over I J-Lo. Know. Like, 
punching her. She's screaming. The the friends then seeing all this, hearing the screams from outside in the van. They hear the screams. This little girl's still on the couch asleep. They run <laughs> up. One of them takes a, a baseball bat, breaks one of the windows in the French doors to open the door to get into the house. All of this is happening. <laughs> Mitch pulls a gun. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, all this is occurring. This little girl is still on the couch, not out. Baby Gracie in Dreamland could not be bothered. Not waking up before her alarm, no matter what. Yeah, no, she was like, <laughs> not on my watch. I love also, I love like Julia. They run into the house and like Mitch is like standing over JLo's body and JLo is like clearly <laughs> she's lying on the floor and she just looks like she's taking a nap or she's passed out or whatever. But Juliet Lewis like runs to JLo and she's like, <gasps> she's alive. <laughs> I was like, I understand, I understand, but like I was like, I was watching it and I literally went, Duh. Like, out loud, I was like, of course she's fucking alive. Like, the dramatic, like, she looks like she's peacefully sleeping on the floor. Like, and the thing is, is that she was just attacked, but there's, like, no, like, you know, there's no, like, evidence really of that on her body. So, like, my, I wouldn't think that she was fucking dead. You know what I mean? That's one of the things with J-Lo and Moses movie. Like, violence does not, for the most part, show up on her body. Like, (laughs) things may happen to her, but she is largely unscathed for a majority of this film. I mean, physically, emotionally. Yeah, no, no, she of is, course, I'm sure. No, but I just mean rude. that like J Lo's, J Lo's beautiful for the whole film. They see. Oh my God! Well, <laughs> she is beautiful in the way that J Lo will always be beautiful. But again, we have that wig, which we will we get do. to. Yeah, we have the iconic <laughs> wig. <laughs> so. Oh, one of the other annoying things in this movie is that they, like, really trying to establish, like, the cute friendship between, like, J-Lo and um, Ginny or Julia cake. Lewis. Yes! Uh, <laughs> like, and they have this, like, saying that is, like, piece of cake, piece of pie. And when she says it in the motel room after they first escape, like, they're on the phone and J-Lo says piece of cake and Ginny responds with piece of pie. And I wrote, like, okay, well, this is obviously going to come into play later when like you know one of them is not safe and they're going to say something else so that that will indicate to the other person that they're not safe and okay I understand what they're setting us up for cut to two hours later absolutely not used in that way in any way at all it's just like they just wanted to have like a cute phrase that they said between each what other what did you think like was... one is going to be like piece of cake and then the other one is going to be like touch chocolate yeah, exactly. And, and then J Lo, uh, and then like Jenna would be like, okay, we have to go get her. You know what I mean? Like just some yeah. sort of indicator. Like I think a lot of wi- I don't know if you have like friends or family members who will be like, hey, if I ever call you and say a certain word, it means I'm in trouble, and like I need you to like send the police to my location or something like that. Like a lot of women have that with each other or whatever. If anybody, so was- if anybody call, yeah, it's always if somebody if somebody calls me one of my family members and they say, oh my god, he's got a gun, then I know. <laughs> and I'm like on it I'm like give me 10 minutes I'm calling the cops you're gonna Don't wait you 10 minutes <laughs> no I mean like 10 minutes the cops should be there oh I thought you were gonna be like oh, oh like, I got things to do phone call in 10 minutes <laughs> oh my god they got a they got a gun hold on you're like, this isn't a oh. great time for me <laughs> Hold tight, sweetie. I gotta finish this episode of Shit's Creek and then I'm right on it. (laughs) I wish I had time to deal with this, mama. I'll be back, though. Give me ten. Can't wait to help. 
<laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, oh, so one of the things that I love, too, is um, <laughs> when they are, when he's, like, chasing her and she's running <laughs> running to catch the bus, like, the mm-hmm. high drama of that moment of J-Lo being like, hold the bus! Hold the bus! <laughs> it's yeah, just, it's like, it's everything that you wanted. I would love, like, a little video clip of that. Like, just, like, I don't know, share somewhere as a reaction to something on the internet. I always... So you want to, like, turn into, like, a GIF? Yeah, but, yeah, sure. A turn into a GIF, but I also really want the sound. So it's, like, I want it to be, like, a short, like, three-second reaction video with sound. No, that's not going to happen. All right, so you You don't own the internet. And I'm sure that someone listening can make that for me so that I can I don't own the internet, but I (laughs) do own intranet. The system that we put into place in our home, we we don't deal with internet like everybody else does in the world. We're not using the same internet that all the dummies around me are using. We've got our own web set up here. Brandon, you know not the word of and which you speak that <laughs> at any that girly at any nice point <laughs> I love it I love not using the internet like everybody else I love the lifestyle that we've created for ourselves in our home where we don't have to depend on it yeah no you guys are absolutely not dependent on the internet at all it's kind of crazy no. we yeah. use like dial up and stuff so. <laughs> That's still internet, you fucking moron. <laughs> Shut up. Not that kind, though. Not the kind that you use. It's different. <laughs> like, why would you use dial-up? This is so insane. Because we don't want everybody... We don't want everybody ta- keeping tabs on us, you dummy. You <laughs> People can still keep tabs on you if you use Jay, dial-up. <laughs> Jay, you've never sounded dumber. You're embarrassing yourself. Okay, anyways, moving on. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. No, I, I, I apologize for Brandon. Yeah, she um, goes <laughs> So, Slim and Gracie show up in Seattle to Futterman's apartment. Futterman is an ex-boyfriend, by the way. We should be clear. Yeah, he's like he was at the wedding hooking up with Jenny, Juliette Lewis, but it was already over between them. And so now he's offered his home as a haven once, you know, once Mitch catches on their trail again. She's on somebody's doorstep, somebody else's problem. <laughs> well, you can't blame her. You know, I'm glad she has friends, you fucking monster. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon and I have devolved into fighting right now. Um, Anyway, so I love... So they, like, send the quote-unquote FBI to um, Futterman's house to, like, search for J-Lo and the kid. And, like, right off the bat, you know it's not the FBI. It's, like, some, like... You know, hired private investigators from the yeah. mob or some shit. We're playing by their own rules. Mm-hmm. But like, I love how like they hide in some sort of crawl space. Like, there's no way they wouldn't have found them. No, it's like a window. Apartment. It's like a window nook. It's like a window yeah. nook that opens up that that her and her daughter are like hiding inside of. And, and like, yeah. there's no way they couldn't have. They, there's no, no they way they would have escaped. Yeah, one hundred percent. They would. 
look to see if it lifted up and then they exactly yeah for and sure. then because they found the hiding space in what two seconds well they knocked on the door so it's like clearly if you found in two seconds someone else is going to so. or not necessarily no not necessarily that they knowing the slim character giving her this i'm sure <laughs> that when she got there they came up with like you know best case scenario as okay far as like i'm willing goes. to believe that I'm willing to yeah. believe that. I'm but it's still, that. yeah, it's still a silly scene. Yeah, of course. And so then after the, like, fake FBI leave the apartment and, like, cut a huge, like, gash on Futterman's couch, which just pissed me off because I just think that's so fucking rude. Yeah, it's so fucking petty. It's, like, it's so petty. Mitch calls Futterman's apartment and he's like, hey, I know they're there and I've got two words for you. Lug nuts. And, like, basically threatening him with, like, loosening the lug nuts on the wheels to his car. Well, it's very, it's very, like, you're always going to be looking over your shoulder. Like, if you, right. you're housing them right now, but, you know, I got a world of hurt I could bring your way. Exactly. And, like, I don't understand, like, at this point, to me, as a viewer, and again, I, I say this with a grain of salt because, obviously, the system and the police are, you know, incredibly, like, flawed institution, of course. But at this point, it seems out of your fucking mind to not call the police. Like, there's so many strikes against Mitch. You can get him out of your life. He's tr- literally trying to kill but you in his face. What they have it hit, but what it all is hinged on is the fact, is her being afraid of losing her daughter. So much of it is about her fear that, like, when placed in the legal system, the facts laid out support him. But to your point, now we've had four of her friends who, five including including Futterman. We've had five people that can contest to seeing bruises on her and, like, all of that. So, yeah. But, I mean, he's wealthy and he's got these obvious connections to the police department, so they can, you know, create any sort of things that they want to create to support him doing what he's doing. I did want to bring up that the moment that he calls after the guys leave the apartment, he calls um, he calls Futterman's apartment, and when he answers the phone he says, hi, it's Mitch. And Futterman goes, it's him. <laughs> He says it so loud. And, like, it was just like... What? I didn't even clock that! Yeah, it was... <laughs> and J-Lo, like, runs over, and she's all heavy breathing into the phone, too. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely both listening on the phone, and she's like... <laughs> she actually like... sang the chorus to Ain't It Funny. And I thought it was a weird time to do it, but, you know, and the whole time, Mitch is just like... I know she's there. And she's all like... Are you Ellie? <laughs> um, and honestly, we all enjoyed it. That was the best part of the movie. But anyway, yeah, so, okay. yeah, Futterman's apartment. It's all, yeah, she gets out of there pretty quick. Yeah, she meets her father. We find out his name is Jupiter, and he says he hasn't had sex since 1995 to, like, claim that, like, Gracie, who's with um, Slim, is not his daughter. And I just think... It's a very strange thing to say publicly in your place of work. Like, I haven't had sex since 1995, which is a long time. No, he says, I haven't had sex in 1995 in this country. 
That's what he says. What the fuck does that even mean? It means he's, he's been only... having he's been getting smashing people overseas is what it means. But why couldn't she be from overseas? It doesn't mean anything. These aren't okay. good lines. <laughs> okay. I just but thought you were like say, def- says, defending no. the script. <laughs> no, this is solid. This script is good, girl. No. He's like, no, he's like in this country. Which is also like, yeah, she could be from anywhere. Whatever. But yeah, no. And he's so rude. And she's like, I need help. I need help. I need money. And he's like, Wah. <laughs> He's so unmanageably rude to her, which is which is so unnecessary. A woman comes to your office and says, I'm your daughter. And like, first of all, that is a very intense moment in and of itself. But like, he couldn't care less. He's so chill. He tells her to get out, basically. And so she like rips off some charm she has on that she wears around her neck and is like I think like here why don't you pawn this which makes no sense because he's a very rich man and I, I don't understand why she gives that to him if it is pawnable I, I hate that she's... I'm supporting this film uh, what I think that what I thought that charm was was something that he had given to her mother and it was like yes. and I thought like this was her proving to him that she has a connection although I what the other thing that's really interesting in this scene is that Mitt and um, Jupiter never asked her who her mother is he never yep. makes any inquiry about who her mom is he just says you're mm-hmm. not my kid and then she says and he's like I fucked you know I, I fucked a bunch of people between you know in the 70s and like he but he never says what's your mom's name he just you know in no way he just is like I'm not your dad and it's like so open ended. It's just like you would not, you wouldn't be like, you know, who, who's your mom? Regardless, he's gonna lie. He's gonna lie no matter who she says. I'm sure. But like, you know, I don't know nobody named Mary. Like and, everybody and, knows a Mary motherfucker. <laughs> and the fact that he give she gives him this like trinket that she wears around her neck is. And I guess maybe that indicates to him that she is his daughter. But like. Anybody could have had that and given it to her. Like it doesn't. Really also, if mean you need anything. money, also several things. You left Futterman's house because those people showed up, and I thought to myself, did he not give you any money, or did you let your proud ass leave his house after he offered you money? And were you like, no, 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 I'm gonna go see my dad who doesn't know me, and everything will be solved. Okay, yeah. so that. But also, you could have very easily, if you need money and you're apparently okay with giving this up, woman of honor, I would have shown <laughs> it to him and been like, you know what, I'll just go palm this fucking necklace that you gave to my mom. Exactly, that was my second point. you were raw-dogging her while the Mamas and Papas performed at Woodstock, you fucker. And then I would have taken it to the to the local pawn shop and gotten money as opposed to, like, handing it over to him. He's like, you can take this in. You remember giving this shit to her? I think yeah. she told me. It could be a lie. But anyway, here, bye. But the, she it, hands it to him. That's the thing that is totally unbelievable. It's like, it makes no sense. You are in literal dire straits and you give him the only thing that could bring you in some money. Also, everybody's been giving, everybody's been taking care of you since you left your husband. Also, girl, I don't believe that you don't have anything. Then she ends up at like that shelter. Like, I just don't believe that nobody's taken care of her. I like, don't either. Like, and it's weird. It's weird because Futterman's like clearly in love with her. And it's weird that he wouldn't be like, here, take, here's one of my credit cards. Like, even if he doesn't have a lot of money, like he wants to take care of her. Make sure Although she's apparently okay. Mitch can keep track of, uh, is tracking other people's credit cards. Because earlier yeah. in the movie, he finds out the hotel that she's in because he gets, he gets the, he finds out because she, her friend Jenny uses her credit card to get him in. And it's like, what are the connections that you have that you were able to obtain her best friend's credit, like, 
credit card bank statement? Like, yeah, what's happening? And, How did you and, get that? Well, we do find out in a few scenes later that no Wiley, the police officer who like originally hit on her, is helping Mitch. So in yeah. my mind, there is maybe like he can trace that or he has like access to that. But like, why would he do that? What is yeah. what is in it for him? Like, yeah, it just so we're sense. clear, guys, it doesn't matter. But just so you know, Noah Wiley was the guy in the first scene who hit on her, and then Mitch stepped in and like, and it was like, hey, like you know, this guy had a bet with his friends that he could get you in bed, and then you know, makes Mitch look like this really great guy, and then Noah Wiley's character slinks away, and then we find out later on that he's a friend of Mitch, and Mitch set that whole ruse up at the beginning of the movie to gain the trust and the adoration of Slim. So now we're seeing yes, that this guy so is a police. In- cahoots yeah so they're in cahoots together and that is like that was like a (gasps) plot to twist moment although I don't think at any point I gasped during this movie but (laughs) no it's uncalled for for this film yeah and then the next scene we get the wig oh yeah that's when she's finally like that's when she has quote unquote cut her hair and dyed it brunette and it is an absolute ridic one of the most ridiculous wigs in all of cinema history if you ask it's me. A, it's a really bad wig and it's it really is. shocking that it flew that <laughs> so many people gave the okay on it because it is really not good as we said before it's like a brunette carol brady so it's like it's it's like you have the bangs and they're wispy wispy bangs and then it's like sort of like a pixie but then in the back it's long it's longer and there's a flip at the bottom and so it's like a pixie mullet yeah it's like a pixie mullet that's a great term for it and i wish i never had to say it but here we are talking about it at length i i would have liked to see her call like call a place and be like i need the carol brady <laughs> but, but brown but, they, but brown diet brown and also make sure that because i'm jennifer lopez and i have very long thick hair make sure that when i put this wig on my head <laughs> looks so so fucking enormous because I have so much hair underneath this wig. I look like I might have been born with some sort of genetic mutation. She's problematic, (laughs) guys, and I I warn you about it, but I want you all to know. Read them and weep. Listen to her. It's gross. (laughs) Where Where your skull is freaking enormous. She looks at one point, this is actually, there's like my favorite point in the movie where, so she has, she has to flee again. She makes this life in Michigan. She stays fleeing. She stays fleeing. Of course, she gets, she's made by Mitch and so she's got, she's got all her contingency plans into place and she gets into a second car. She dumps her first car, gets into a second car and in the glove compartment is a red wig and there is a scene where it's like she's putting the red wig on top of the other horrible wig and like they cut before she finishes because we know it's a job that cannot be completed it's 
like, I really, like, I would love to see a scenario where she actually completes the job and she looks like a fucking Bratz doll because her head is so enormous. <laughs> but you know that what happened was they brought in a million different wigs and J-Lo looked fucking beautiful in every wig that they brought in. Exactly. And they were literally, like, trying to figure out a way to dull her. And it was really <laughs> difficult because J-Lo is one of the most beautiful creatures walking the face of the earth. Always. Just a fact. At, and like, so you know that they were, like, they, they were probably like, ooh, let's do, like, a pixie. And they brought in, like, a pixie and J-Lo looked fucking gorgeous. And they were they're like, like, oh, wow, J-Lo, you can pull that off like a motherfucker. <laughs> and so they were just like, damn, we don't know what else to do. They're like, ooh, bring in really long, like, blonde hair. And it's like, oh, and then everybody came on themselves. And then they were like, oh, fuck. Okay. Just like, can we, and then can it's we like, shave it? No, we have to go with the pixie mullet. The worst They're like, we're doing the, we're, get the damn Carol Brady. Somebody get Florence Henderson on the phone. <laughs> Um, and at one point, they also put a bucket hat over the Yeah, over they the were wig. working overtime trying to make her look, like, as homely like, as they could. dowdy. And it's like, this is Jennifer Lopez. We can't do... This isn't... We, she's going to be beautiful, and she's they going were, to look They were throwing her, and, like, they were giving her that, like, treatment that you get in, like, uh, She's All That, where oh the really hot girl isn't hot because her hair is in pigtails, and she's got thick-rimmed glasses on. Yeah. And they're just like, this'll do. And put her in, like, oversized overall too in a sports bra but you can still sort of see from the side that she's got that banging body throw a flannel over it put her in Doc Martens and then all the lesbians in the room are going crazy and they're like oh this is the best we can do um no it was very that and they wanted us to like man they really want they what they wanted and I know what they wanted was like Charlize and Monster vibes and we couldn't have been further from they legit just like have her go get like a prosthesis (laughs) (laughs) oh my god oh my god it would have been so funny there's a plastic surgery scene where she like goes on she goes under the knife under the knife and it's like at this point it's like (laughs) you are I mean that's when you're talking Oscar and she says something like the plastic surgeon because you know there's no consultation it all happens on the fly and (laughs) she's like what do you want me to do and she's like Take away my beauty. <laughs> that be the way I would watch. Yeah, then he nods at the nurse and she like, you know, injects him with like, I don't know, methadone or something, and they get going. <laughs> it's gonna be a long night. You're gonna have to work in overtime. Um so the next thing I that made me it's just like another fucking thing in this movie. Okay, so Futterman comes to visit them in Michigan before they're made by Mitch. And they're on what is supposed to be, I'm assuming, Lake Michigan, but it's very clearly like they are in Seattle filming, which yes. is. Absolutely. Neither here nor there, but like, I we live in the Midwest. We've both been to Michigan. Michigan does not look like Seattle. No. <laughs> like they're very clearly no, they filming just, like, in Seattle. No, they just slap <laughs> Michigan on this. It, it, but they're also like, aren't they like a? It's like a ferry. There's like a I, ferry nearby. There's it's a ferry. Yeah. At, all at this some stuff point. that just does not exist in in that area. And I'm just like, you are. They are not in Michigan. They need to stop it. And like, and also, I feel like there were like some. I feel like there are like. Landmarks, like there were clear, like I'm sure like, there were. I don't in the film that yeah. are like distinct I'm, and like <laughs> indicative yeah. of what I'm sure of is that 
Well, I didn't clock any of them, but what I'm sure of is that if I didn't clock any of them, then neither did the fucking crew on this film. And they are absolutely there as, like, beacons of, like, (laughs) the Pacific Northwest. But anyways, they're at this, like, pier or whatever... And Futterman and J-Lo are talking and flirting and Gracie is like playing with a basketball and she's sort of like running around the pier and dribbling her basketball. And all of a sudden, J-Lo is like, I don't hear the basketball anymore. And then about four and a half hours later, (laughs) she fucking turns and slowly tries to find her daughter. And it is the most delayed response to someone thinking their child is missing that I have ever seen in my life. And I know this, I know lots of parents in my life and any, they have like super like sonic hearing for their kid and they react so quickly. And I think they were like trying to, I don't know, like um, draw out the drama of this moment, but it was so unrealistic how slowly she went to her own child. No, she she was no both of them. Him him too. They both yeah. were very like nobody like they were concerned, was, but like they weren't they weren't moving. They weren't moving at a rate that you would expect them to be moving to try and locate a child, no. especially given like the circumstances of like you being on the run and it's a right. lot. It's yeah, there's a lot going on there. I mean, also in that scene when they moved to this new town, like they just gotten away from Mitch for the second time. And like Gracie's just running around the front yard, and I was just thinking, I feel like I'd be like, how about we take it to the backyard, sis? <laughs> right, like, exactly. Keep things, keep things going in the back. Also, her daughter says to her, she says to her daughter, "You can't call me Slim. You have to call me because her daughter doesn't even know her real name." I don't know why I'm surprised with this either, by the way, because in my family, I don't know if it's a particularly southern thing or just a black thing, but everyone in my family has nicknames, and like I'm one and of I the do only love people that. in my family who only goes by my name, but it is funny in this world that we never find out like what her name is but her daughter says she says you can't call me slim anymore you have to call me Aaron now and then the daughter says oh do I get a new name too and then she goes hmm you know I hadn't thought about that but yeah yeah you probably should and it was just like what? why didn't you think about that you thought about everything and you didn't think about that um because Gracie is actually kind of a distinctive little girl's name it's not super distinctive but distinctive mm-hmm. enough that like you'd probably want to give her like uh, although it's hard with kids too I know because kids forget and fuck things up I think whether it's distinctive or not, like, you're going to want to change your kid's name. Like, you're just going to Yeah, if your goal is to, like, evade... Yeah, evade your husband. Especially since he's been on you so intensely. Like, but... Yeah, it's just a funny moment, that's all. Yeah, and her relationship with Gracie is funny. I mean, I you know, Gracie is is an adorable kid, but there is, like, sometimes, like... <laughs> okay, so there's a point where J-Lo is driving in the car, and they're driving, like, really far away to, like, make a phone call to yes. her mother-in-law, and Gracie is wants to talk to her father. She, at this point, doesn't fully understand what's going on and she's a very cute young kid and she's just like please mommy can I call dad can I call dad and JLo says to her 
don't beg, you look like a dog. <laughs> Which is just, like, so unfeeling and mean to, like, your young child who just wants to call their dad and, like, has no idea what's going on. And you call her a dog. <laughs> it's just Yeah, horrible. but I also, I wrote down, like, that's the moment we hit Gracie with the headline. Dad's been beating <laughs> the shit out of me. Like, he's threatening to fucking kill me. He doesn't give a shit about you either, fam. Like, we're both on our own now, so forget about him. He's dead to us, so we're dead to him. You feel me? Like, earlier in the scene, right before she leaves her husband, and the, the threats are sort of starting, he's starting to make these not-at-all-veil threats about, like, killing her if she tries to leave him. He makes no, a comment. No, they're, like, very pointed threats. <laughs> no, I'll end your life. He makes a comment along the lines of, like, he says something like, I hate for something to happen to, to Gracie. Or something like that that's like, oh, so you're willing to kill your own child, fam. <laughs> Like, I miss that. He says something like, yeah, you know, you know, something could happen to her and you'd never forgive yourself. I always love like abusive husbands who act like they give a shit about the kids. It's like, shut up. Stop. You just, you what? just want. You're not, not going to take my kid away from me. It's like, like you've ever, have you like, have you ever done anything with your child that was not prompted by like your wife being like, hey, go do X, Y, and Z. Like what's yeah. this relationship? It's also me coming from like a single parent home without a father who's like, fuck dads. But I mean, like, no, but I do but think I, that there is like, like some reality to that for sure. I mean, well, it comes. It always just feels like control to me. You know what I mean? And that's really right. what it is. But it's just like this whole thing, like whenever there's like a dad, or it's like I don't want to pay child support. But whenever there's a dad who's like, <laughs> no, what you want full custody of a child that you raised and been the primary care- caretaker of for their entire life? No, no, I over, will not. Over my deadbeat body. <laughs> it's like, just like literally. It's like. Are you prepared to be a real father and like actually like, or do you just not want to have to pay that child support to like the full? So parent? far, it seems like things haven't come to fruition. So where was this energy when this baby was born? Well, it's like I think about like if my dad had like shown up at some point, like you know, in when I was like ten years old and was like, I want, I want, even if my dad was like, I want have, I would have been terrified. Not because oh my, my dad was terrifying to me, but just because it would have been so. So different for me. My mother was like my whole world. So it's just like the idea yeah. of that is always just so like. Also, so many times too, it's like not. I'm not saying my situation. I'm just saying so many times, like especially in these situations, it's like the most that your kids know about you is that when you get upset, you hit their mom, and like now you're like, I want, I want one on one time. It's like, and it's we like, not? and say we did for what? For what? For, what are we it, gonna do? I mean, Someone you're right. Tells me you're you're, you're gonna. Be you're fucking right. some random bar hand, I'm at barkeep, and I'm gonna be in my room playing video games and trying to stay out of out of the way. It's probably what this is gonna amount to, right? <laughs> and that comes from no personal experience whatsoever. That was just something you threw out there. That's just what I imagine the, the real that real life to be is me alone in a room hoping to be not disturbed, and like occasionally you pop your head in to be like, "You want Burger King?" but no i i truly think you're right it's a power play most of the time and and certainly within this movie it's absolutely this guy who doesn't even have enough time to like to get to all his mistresses and the thing (laughs) that also is like first of all yeah he's safe oh one of the things so many things to say about this movie it's like i feel so chaotic talking about it because i'm like oh i don't want to forget this i don't want to forget this it's a really good film it's it's a film um one of the things that 
I that is like bothering me throughout this movie is that like he's like I'm gonna tell everybody you're a drug addict and so that way you're not gonna be able to have Gracie anymore and I'm gonna take her away from you and it's like in what world does that work and maybe and and, and I could be wrong maybe there are people who, who do this and fuck with the system and I again I know the system is a very messed up place when it comes to all of these kinds of things but particularly in this movie it's like she has literally every single person in her life helping her out to try to get away from you and can can corroborate that she is in no way a drug addict. She can pass a drug test. So, like, it's a loose threat. And I don't understand why it keeps her from, like, seeking out a lawyer but for remember, so long. But remember that he says, I, he says, I will, he also says, I will, um, I will, like, um the word I'll plant drugs he says I will plant drugs in her bureau I will plant drugs in her car I will plant drugs all over so that when the police do a search they find them he says that to the guy when they break into the house after he's beaten her and he's got the gun and he says like I will you know so it's like he's prepared to and probably honestly I'll have that doctor from ER do it like I'll have him <laughs> plant the drugs in the boot of her car and then I'll be like she was talking about needing some heroin bad and like I don't know I know some about a boot i don't know you guys want to check like you know very that so i think that that's like what they're trying to create but i totally agree with you it's like what what are we talking about what's going on here like if someone is clearly a a drug addict it seems like something that would be provable in a court of law but again i don't know how the system works it all feels very pedestrian too because it's like it goes from like i'll kill you to like i'll tell them you on drugs it's like wait what what is it those are very different energies exactly and also why my life sir like she needs to be recording all of these that's the, that was I think the whole time was like was nobody had their Nokia thirty three sixty <laughs> what eighty three fifty whatever wasn't whatever the numbers out. were <laughs> you know you get out of those ringtones for a second and you like you get to that <laughs> start recording feature, or go to, to Radio mouth. Shack also okay I, this is also bringing up more questions okay what is her job is Jupiter her father paying for her life. And if that, I know he does initially send her some money, which oh, is a yeah. change, which is a totally unjustified change of heart that happens in two minutes flat in this movie, where all of a sudden he doesn't want to see her, and then he decides because those fake FBI agents visited his office and were asking questions about her, and she gave him that trinket. I guess now he's like, okay, I believe you're my daughter, and I'm going to help you and send you cash. Like it just made zero sense. It made no sense at all. It, it it made no sense. They spend literally no time setting up any of the relationships of like no. her and Jupiter. They don't her and Joe, um, the Dan Futterman character, her no. and Jenny. We don't really get any real meaningful conversations between any of them. I will say the one with the most substance, and this is saying a lot because it is very little. It's very thin. Is her, is J Lo and Futterman? Oh, yeah, and the moment when he comes to visit her, and yeah. it's also, like, that's such a weird, dicey scene, where they're, like, in bed <laughs> at night, and, like, the daughter's in bed, and he's like, I know there can be no funny business, because your daughter's here. And it's like, did she have to tell you that? Also, they reference, they reference the house rules at one point, and I'm like, what are the house rules? When did, the, when did you guys go over this? Did you cut a scene that, like, gave us information that you're referencing back to, and now we don't know what you're talking about? It just yeah. it seems like it's just... 
it really feels like someone took like a ball of like or like a bunch of balls of different kinds of play-doh play-doh and just mashed it into one ball and then we're like yeah they were like this is the perfect amount of chaos <laughs> let's watch let's watch the viewers try and work their way out of this mug um yeah no it was really insane and then so she decides that she is going to take matters into her own hands and she's going to train and learn the Krav Maga, which she used so perfectly pronounced. Catherine her. Hepburn was one of the first American actresses to use it in a movie, so it makes sense that you said it like that. Get <laughs> on the phone. Tell him that I'm going to be learning the Krav Maga. I'll be learning the Krav Maga. Um, so she I'll like... i learning it with this bolo and pants on. No so dress for me. So she creates this whole scheme where she's learning, you know, the Krav Maga and she's training with this very intense trainer and she's setting up like, you know, she's basically setting up so that like we know that there's going to be a final showdown between Mm -hmm. Mitch and Slim and Jupiter, her father, is like helping her out getting this all set up which I think is like crazy because it's like again why I guess he's funding her whole life yeah. now yeah it's no, just, she's it, not working yeah like there's no job she's also like had. what are you doing during the day because she's <laughs> in school yeah exactly <laughs> and she's very smart like it's and and uh, one of the things I really do like about this movie is that I love a story where someone loses all their power and then decides to take it back that is a narrative that I love but again <laughs> it has to be done well and this just is like so fucking weird um so she sets up all these scenarios she gets like a body double and like whatever and she basically the end game is breaking in to um, Mitch's house in Los Angeles and she is going to set up like a bunch of like booby traps and then when he comes home at night she is then going to like essentially I think the they don't ever tell us but like I think the the idea that we get is that she's gonna like kill him and so yeah she's gonna kill him and she's gonna make it look like self-defense like that's like that's her whole plan and she breaks into his house and she somehow there's an alarm set and somehow she breaks into his house without tripping the alarm which is okay i have so many questions about this because a okay so she does all these things where she like sets up his house and booby traps first of all the first thing that i noticed that she does is she cuts the phone line right yeah like you do like you do when you want to make it impossible for someone to call out and she uses this machine to like fuck with the the cell phone like tower so that you can't make calls on your cell phone she like gets the lights on all the same wavelengths whatever she hides and lays in wait for Mitch to come home and when he comes home she turns off all the lights and starts speaking to him and she's like, I don't remember exactly what she says. She's like, it's me, Mitch. It's Slim. And you don't see her, but you just hear her voice. And I don't understand because it has not been clear to us how she sees what he's doing. Because she sees, because he, you see him like, he grabs for a gun and she's like, I found the gun. It's not there. And then he grabs for another gun and she's like, 
I found that gun too and I moved it and it's like how can she see all of this? How is this she like this ominous voice when she finally like meets him to confront him? She just walks up the stairs and is face to face with him. No, she's like it's because they're the, what they're implying. I guess is that like she knows him so well. She knows his every move. She starts no. laying. She lays it out. No. She's like, she's like, I know where that gun is too. Even though she's like literally hiding in like a trunk under the bed. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 nice try. He's like literally reaching for the phone to call nine one one. And she's like, put the gun down, not there. And then she's like, don't worry, don't try that. Also, I refinanced your home. You've got a second mortgage. <laughs> You've got a second mortgage coming your way, big boy. Like what? Got you she's a better interest all- rate. You're yeah. welcome. She's like, I, she's like, I cut the tips off of all of your neckties. Sorry about it. She's like, oh, okay. Weird, weird flex, but you did it. I've literally turned all of your work pants into assless chaps. Have fun with that one. Um, no, it's just like so silly. And she comes, she's got her spy kit with her. And she comes ready to play. She's borrowed it from Tom Cruise. You know, this this is Mission Possible in JLo's mind because like she is mis- trained. More like Miscavige Possible. <laughs> where, uh, where, where is Shelly? Where is Shelly? <laughs> Anyways, that's another podcast. <laughs> yeah, and if David's listening, you know where to go, Jane. <laughs> And by the way, David, if you are listening, I will absolutely give you Brandon's address if you DM me. Anyways. (laughs) So they like start to do this hand-to-hand combat and he's like, you want to fight me man-to-man? And she's like, woman, Mitch. And it's like a very like, I am woman, hear me roar moment, which we love. But like at the same time, it's so ridiculous so we can't fully get on board with. (laughs) And she's like, self-defense is not murder. And so she basically like goes toe to toe with him and then she gets to the point where she's about to kill him and she's like, oh my God, I can't do it. And so she like, she's like passing on the floor and she's like- Also, I do want to, I do want to point out, I'm sorry. I do want to point out that earlier when she's in her training session with the all-knowing black black sensei who's like- Of course. Teaching her all of her Krav Maga, he says to her, and it's my favorite line in the movie. (laughs) uh, He says, there will come a point where you- on the floor and he thinks that he is one and as sure as he is a coward he will try to kick you and like and of course it comes to be and later on she's hearing him in her head spliced in with like Morgan Freeman from um <laughs> from uh, Shawshank Redemption there's like a bunch going on and she's but she's you get hearing her and she's so very like and sure you know he will try to kick you and it's like such a specific scenario for this guy okay so that's so yeah so that's like she basically calls Ginny on her phone and she's like I can't do it I'm not a murderer and then he comes up behind her and like whacks her and so she's passed out and when she's passed out she's hearing the voice of her all-knowing trainer who we barely got time to know and like feel connected to but he does you hear that line playing in her head and when she's like he's like she she's gonna kick or he's gonna kick you because he's a coward and immediately she like raises up and like grabs his foot in her thighs and like basically fights him and pushes him off the balcony so he falls to his death on the table but like while she's (laughs) 
while she's lying there, she like had there's like or or maybe it's like when they're fighting and the final fight right before he dies, mm-hmm. there's like flashbacks to the beginning of the movie of like Mitch like abusing her, which like is the most unnecessary thing because we've been watching this whole movie like this isn't this isn't a mid-season clip show of a sitcom we've been watching since September this is the thing that we've been watching for an hour and 40 minutes like yeah we just saw this all that happened he like the moment where he like pushed his daughter when the daughter tried to intervene in the fight like like she flashes back to that she's like oh he pushed Gracie that time too like it's like all like going through her head but they want us to also know that like she didn't want to kill him, she but was, she had no like, choice. Good, he he. There was no way, and um, yeah, of course. And she, quite frankly, had had enough. I mean, you know <laughs> what I'm saying. And so she did it. It's also funny because, like, the next moment after this where, you know, they Mm. call the police or whatever, they're coming. She's also gotten these letters that she placed in his room to sort of, like, set up her story of, like, you know, her coming here to, like, speak with him and him trying to kill her. And she had no choice. Here's the thing. The problem with her alibi is that Mitch basically has, like, no face anymore. Like, she has destroyed him to such a degree. And J-Lo maybe has, like, a boo-boo on her forehead. And so it's like, (laughs) your body is unscathed. Yes. Your husband... It looks like somebody took a cheese grater to his forehead. Like, <laughs> oh where are his eyeballs, ma'am? Like, oh and she's going to be like, I don't know what happened. He just fell from well, the second floor. It's like the trauma that has been that has been placed on his body over the course of this film. It, it just, it's, it's going to be a lot to explain. That's all I'm saying. Well, here's the thing that actually infuriates me at the very end of this movie is that it all ties up very nicely and she yep. gets reunited back with Gracie. There There are literal zero questions asked. But Brandon, do you remember how I mentioned at the beginning that she cut the fucking phone line? Yeah. Which indicates premeditation, which means it wasn't self-defense. She went in there to attack him. How? Like, what is the story here? What is she telling the police? Unless she says, "I he cut the phone lines before I got there." Why would he cut his own? Why, because he and, was and scared why, that... And why would she be showing up there? Because in the, I think something in the letters about, you know, he asked he asked me to come here, you know, you have to Did years it say that abuse. in the letters? Oh, I don't know what it said in the letters. I'm just saying, you know, her coming up with uh, You're giving it too much. So what, he asked me to he asked me to meet him here. I've been in hiding, as you can ask, you know, you can talk to Futterman, you can talk to Jenny. Like mm-hmm. I've been in, in I've been in, in hiding from him and his goons all over town. And he, he asked me to come here and he said that if I didn't, then there would be more physical repercussions. So I showed up at his house. He was in a rage as he'd been many times before. I walked in the room. I was transported back to the kitchen floor and out the home that we shared together. I was <laughs> trembling. I was afraid. I ran that to the was phone. Not, that the was not the home. No, no, no. The, that, no, 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 no. She was flashbacks, she said. Flashbacks oh. to the home she shared with him. He's moved, but she said flashbacks. And then she says, he, he lunged at me and he slapped me across the face. And it was... Honestly, coming from him, it was almost like a kiss. That's the way he communicates. That's how he shows his love. That's how he shows his rage. When he hit me, I began crawling for the kitchen. I ran. I grabbed the phone. And when I grabbed it and didn't hear a dial tone and heard him laughing behind me, the lines been cut. I realized that this was a dance I was not going to be able 
to pass on. What's the what, what's the word be? You, the, the dance you pass in a dance. What is it called? Do you step on a dance? Yeah, this wasn't a dance I'd be able to decline. The devil wanted to pass a dough play, and I better get on my samba <laughs> shoes. And then, you know, I had no choice but take mom. But yeah, it's, I think very, very like he cut oh, the cords. I had to use oh, my Brandon. cell phone to call my friend. I had to use my cell phone to call you guys because he cut the phone cords. Okay, Brandon, all this tells me is that you would absolutely be able to weave the most wild tale to get out of murder. But the thing is, is that this movie did not set that up oh, for us. no. Also, before the police officer goes in, he comes there, J-Lo is literally sitting outside on the stoop looking like an at-risk youth in, like, an oversized, <laughs> in an oversized so hoodie. On, like, an oversized hoodie on, like, the side of, like, a cement wall right in front of, you know, Mitch's building. And the police officer, he walks <laughs> up and he doesn't even go in the building. He turns to her and he says, oh, looks like you're one of the lucky ones. Okay, so I wrote that down because I truly don't understand what that quote means. And oh, it means I have oh, questions. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't. Because it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but it's indicating that the officer has walked onto a scene, seen absolutely nothing, has no information, and has decided... Yes, this at-risk youth leaning against the wall and sitting here waving her legs back and forth like she's got nothing to do and giving me a sad, sad expression of, like, melancholy, whatever. She's innocent. I mean, it's also the thing, too, that's that really would be against her is the fact that there is literally no documented, like, abuse that has ever been documented by her this at is what I'm a saying. police station or anything. So it's it's really her word against theirs. The only thing she would have on her side would be, like, his mother agreeing to, like, testify in court uh, to seeing bruises on her. That would totally. be, like, the only thing that she would have because that would be a very, like, compelling piece of evidence. But, like, Which who I mean, knows if that... Because it's also unclear throughout this movie who whose side the mother really is on. Well, she's doing a lot of apologizing for her son, and she also yeah. is like, you've got to let him see Gracie at one point when they're in hiding. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't know why you're calling her anyway, girl. This is not something to be worried about. You're trying to stay alive. You're going to fuck around and get caught, and then she did. But, yeah, <laughs> no. Also, the reason the police show up there is because Jenny, Juliette Lewis's character, calls them. She's on the phone with Slim. We think that Mitch is dead. You know, she calls her. He comes back to life, and then she has the final coup de grace she kicks him and he falls off the the, the really unsturdy balcony because there's a moment when he's like leaning against it before <laughs> the kick and the balcony is like shaking Getting it is away. trembling and, well it, um, you know what it's that shitty new construction you know what it's I mean? the shitty it's a shitty new construction <laughs> it's these fucking prefab homes that everybody's building wake up america go to europe see how they live You'll get there it. are houses that are over 300 years old and we can't keep something up for 20 years. But, but 400 years now, Jane. We're I'm talking about sure. centuries and centuries. These homes have been standing. What's the I know. problem? I don't this is know. Why I got, oh, this is literally why I got out of the construction industry. Because Absolutely. it's all it's all Rob and Peter to pay Paul. And, and we have just, been red-pilled. It's... I understand that reference because we watched I'm The Matrix. vibrating. Yeah, guys, I've seen The Matrix before. So, yeah, I get the red pill, green pill reference. And you know what? Any of you Giacomos... Wait, wait, wait. 
It's the red pill and the blue pill. <laughs> By the way, for, I don't know if it, when we're releasing things, but the Matrix, the Matrix is the first episode that Brandon and I ever recorded together because neither of us had ever seen that movie for context. It, but there's a Christmas version of the of the Matrix, and that version is the red and green, and that's why I said that. So shout out to the Koski sisters for the Christmas version that they released. <laughs> Um, Anyways, but yeah, the movie no, so the movie wraps the fuck up without any explanations, and, and it all finishes. Of those, and all those police officers that she's been afraid of, like going to because of his connections, it all flips, and all of a sudden at the end of the movie, everything's tied up, and the police are on her side very much. So, like nobody has ever, no police officers ever walked up to a crime scene knowing that there's <laughs> a dead body inside, and like walked up to the person standing outside who's unscathed, and been mm-hmm. like. I'm happy you made it out of this one alive. And it's like, but you know what? You say no police officer has done that before, no, and it's I'm sure like they have. I'm sure they have the police. That I'm sure worse, they but. have. I'm sure that there have been police officers who have walked up to a crime scene and asked literally no questions. Yeah, it is funny though, especially in a city like like L.A., like this huge place for him not to at least be like, can I get a statement from you? Can I get anything? Yeah. He is like, you fucking like, survived, girl. I have to, in order to be able to sleep at night. I have to believe that they took her downtown for some questioning and she got herself out of it. But they didn't show it to us, and so I'm very nervous that they, she was able to walk into the sunset, go grab Gracie, and start a new life. With I mean, we want her to one. win, guys. Make no mistake. Of course, we're just, of course. We're just literally we're just pointing out the craziness of the scenario where the police. Of officer, course, we want her to win. Where the police officer very- high fives her, hands her the keys to his squad car, and is like, "Just drop it off somewhere. Like, I'll pick it up later. Go, you know, go to Dave and Buster's or something. Go get." Something to eat. Anyways, so we you look finish. Like, you look like a lady who could use a parfait. <laughs> okay. And we are brought to our knees with the credits by a song called Alive by Jennifer Lopez. And that is... Yeah, don't worry, guys. The vocal Bible was here. She, <laughs> she blessed the track. And you know what? It was a beautiful way to take us out. And as our producer has written in our chat, that's enough of enough. (laughs) Yeah, he's always coming at us. Yeah, he's done with us, I think, really. (laughs) He's not a happy man. (laughs) Anyways, I had a ton of fun watching this movie. It was a doozy. It's a doozy. I think we got to probably a third of the things that I actually wrote down. So there's so much more to talk about with this. So, um, you know, (laughs) this is one of those movies where literally I couldn't I, I could talk about this movie forever and I also do want to bring up the fact that Brandon wore the wig for the entire recording and he you thought I wouldn't it. mama you thought I wouldn't <laughs> I'm glad you did you got your nine dollars out of it <laughs> don't 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 be little so a point back <laughs> he's fixing his hair but really what the I low-key kind of look like the fifth beetle a little bit you do it's a very like Ringo Starr moment where I can see she you being like you. yeah 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 <laughs> so do you want to know why is, that the, I, why is that the era that I'm giving myself I don't like, know I would, I would absolutely pick like LSD'd out Sergeant Peppers and everybody knows it <laughs> 
<laughs> not because not because of how I get down, but just because that's no like because that's the, the peak look. of like Beatles creative. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm digressing it. completely. Well, I think I think we should take this moment to talk about next week or the next. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. Time for me to pay the piper. T- time for you to pay the piper, and I hope and pray that this is a payment that you are delighted to. You think I'm gonna like up. it? You think I, I like it? It's. I love this movie, but oh, she's coming. I <laughs> well, I'm just gonna say it. Okay, it's one of my favorites. It's called Muriel's Wedding. Oh, I've never seen that movie before. I know that's the whole theme of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, um, you got me. You got me. That it's one good. of. You think I'm about to fucking talk to me like that, Jane? <laughs> you crazy? Uh, uh, show some fucking well, respect up in here. <laughs> Right, I just well, <laughs> Brandon has put on this wig and just absolutely turned into a new person. And I think we're all suffering from it. But yes, Muriel's Wedding is the pick for next week. I'm really excited for you to see it. Do you have any first impressions about Muriel's Wedding? One thing is, in my mind, I'm like... Andy McDowell or Tony Collette is the lead. <laughs> it's Tony Collette. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, yeah, there's some nuptials. That is very astute. You also, I, 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 just for the listeners out there, he could not care less because he's literally obsessed with his wig. I'm not obsessed with it, Jane. That's the thing. <laughs> and you sound crazy when you say stuff like that. You're mad disrespectful tonight. Mad. I'm literally going to create like a super cut of you fixing your wig from this recording. And it will be, I would say, like a full hour long. My, um, I have not... I'm not obsessed with it. I just, I think it's like a moment that shocked everybody, really. It's like one of those things that like Holly Berry at the Oscars this year. Like, it's one of those moments that's going to live on forever. Her like, um, her bob that she had. Oh my God. That, that was... was gagging over. <laughs> that was a look and a half. Anyways, I'm excited for you to see Muriel's Wedding. It's one of my favorites. I don't know anything about it, but I know that people are really... It's a movie that people really like. That's all I know. I think Mm -hmm. it's a British film. It's Australian. Okay. Oh, she's giving details away. Oh, do you know? um, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's fine. I didn't know that, though. That's interesting. Yeah, it's Um, Australian, so you better, like, come prepared to go ahead and give us a little bit of your Australian accent. Um... Even if it's horrible, we're both doing it. So. Oh, I'm ready. It's Gaiki, gonna be a little shrimp of Bobby, everybody. <laughs> and if that wasn't preview enough, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, baby. yeah, he's so randy. Okay, why are you doing Austin Powers? You've gone psycho. I'm going psycho. I'm on my mind, baby. Crazy for you. You know Austin Powers is English and not Australian. Right? I do. It was just a moment. It was just where the vibe. <laughs> it was the vibe. It was where it took me. But of course. Okay. Well, we want to thank you all for listening. If thank you, you guys. Still are. Um, we are so delighted to be able to speak into your ears about movies every week. So make sure you tune in next week for Muriel's wedding. Bye. Bye.
Jane. 